Welcome to the Family Beacon Podcast from Minnesota Family Council with hosts Grace Evans and Moses Bratchard. Stay informed on the top stories on life, family, and religious freedom. Get the facts, stand for truth. Hello and welcome back to the Family Beacon Podcast. This is a very special episode we have for you today. We are here at the St. Paul Capitol and we're going to be interviewing some of our colleagues that work here at the Capitol on a regular basis, uh, fighting for life, family, and religious freedom. We're so excited. First, we'd like to welcome on Joshua Foster. Pastor Joshua. So good to see you guys. So you are here, uh, step a little closer into the frame here. So so you're here today and Mm -hmm. we did not plan this. We did not not know you were going to be here. Right. But your work at the Capitol is crucial. So what are you up to? Yeah, um, just we're walking around. We're meeting with with, uh, representatives, senators, um, opening up God's word, trying to encourage them from from the word. And then also we we believe that God commands us from 1 Timothy to to pray for our um, ruling Mm. authorities. And so... um, um, prayer is powerful, and we want to, to be able to, to uh, intercede with, with our uh, legislators um, with them and actually know what their requests are and, and how we can um, point them to God. So, wow, that's amazing. Uh, and and so, so your work is with the Church Ambassador Network. Church Ambassador Network, yeah. And, and so how many, how many pastors do we have working with us right now? Um, we have a whole bunch. Um, I, I don't want to give uh, an exact number just in case I'm off, but sure. but I love it. I mean, the it's a it's a um, pastors want to come in and we go to both sides of the aisle. So we we don't care if somebody's a Democrat or a Republican or, or where they fall, but we're going to go and honor them as as our ruling authorities and and uh, we're bringing God's word and uh, and we're going to ask how we could pray for them or we'll pray for them right there. So. Mm-hmm. That is so amazing. I just mm-hmm. think I, that's such a God thing that um, Pastor Jeff Evans, who started this initiative, mm-hmm. uh, was able to bring you on board and, and our other pastors who are on staff. Mm-hmm. And I just, I just think, I want to ask one last question, yeah, because we're here, it's really quiet. Mm-hmm. Um, is, it, is it hard for you guys to do the work that God has set out for you when the, when the state office building is closed and when the Capitol is half empty? Yeah, I mean, definitely we, we want to be able to meet with people in person and we want to be able to, to interact with as many people as we can. So definitely we would love it if, if more people were here. So, But we get it. We, we do whatever the, the situation has. You know, we're, right. we're going to work with it no matter what. So. so you're able to meet with legislators virtually we can if, still if do necessary. Zoom and we still yep. Yep, we do both with Zoom and in person. So okay. mm-hmm. that's great. Uh, Pastor Joshua Foster, thank you so much cool. for joining thank us. You guys. Appreciate it. See yeah. I just love that the gospel tears down all I just love that the uh, gospel breaks down bridges, and I think that's something that's really unique about the Church Ambassador Network. And for more information on the Church Ambassador Network and all that they are doing, be sure to check out our previous episode where I interview my dad, who's actually the director of the program. It's an amazing episode, and we'll give you more details just on what they do on a regular basis. It's a crucial part of what we do at MFC, and we're so grateful for the whole team. It really is. So go to mfc.org churches, and you can see an introductory video uh, as well. The podcast episode is great, and then if you are a pastor, go to mfc.org slash churches and you can actually sign up to come join us at the Capitol and meet with those legislators, pray for them, open God's word with them as Pastor Joshua just mentioned. So uh, Grace and I are here. Obviously, we're not back in the studio and it, it, that might be kind of a bummer because I'm sure the audio quality is not quite the same, but I wanted to, uh, we wanted to talk a little bit about uh, the legislative session, which just began on Monday. And it's a really weird legislative session and it probably doesn't seem super quiet 
right? Because it's so echoey in here. But really, the halls are practically deserted. The yeah. Minnesota there's House. No one walking past us. Yeah. So we're able to film. Yeah, there's no one yeah. walking past us. There's some kids in here, which is amazing it's to so see. Yeah. So visiting the Capitol. But it's just sad to see that our legislators, especially the, the members of the Minnesota House, are just not here in session as they normally would be. They're meeting virtually. but uh, And the Capitol is still open, which we're grateful for. Uh, and the Minnesota Senate is, is, is meeting more or less normally. But it's just really sad that that largest body in our state legislature is mm-hmm. essentially closed. Yeah. yeah. And, um, and so I'm just bummed by that. Um, I just, and I want to give you guys firsthand video evidence. I mean, there's kids here, there's two groups, but there are not, uh, there are not the, yeah. the legislators, the staffers running, running past that right. we've seen, unfortunately, in past years. But something that is awesome is MFC does have boots on the ground here, so to speak. We just actually had a new hire, which is so exciting. She is our public policy assistant, uh, and she is amazing at her job. She's going to come over here and just explain to us what she does and how she's going to fight for life, family, and religious freedom this session. Please welcome Becca Delahunt. Hello, everyone. So happy to have you on the podcast, Becca. So happy to be here. So, Becca, um, what what first got you interested? How did you learn about Minnesota Family Council, mm-hmm. and what got you interested in coming to work here? Yeah, totally. So, it's been kind of a long process. Um, throughout the pandemic, I discovered that I care a lot about social issues, which was kind of new to me as a Christian. I always cared about that, but not necessarily in the public sphere. Um, but, yeah, I've just felt really convicted that I want to get involved in the life issue and protecting um, the rights of females and children and as far as the gender issue goes in our state. And so um, through a series of relationships and organizations, I was able to find Minnesota Family Council, which has been such a great fit, um, protecting life, family, and religious freedom. and it's just a great organization to be a part of. So, yeah. And your coworkers are horrible. You know, my coworkers are really tough. I'm really struggling with that, especially this one right here. It's just yeah. so hard to work with. Yeah, yeah. I mean, just the body odor. <laughs> I mean, just to just to start. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> yeah. I don't know how these people stand it. So, Becca, your your last role was in marketing, mm-hmm. and you went to the U, right? I did. Yeah. Um, uh, what what's what's your favorite thing to do on the weekends? What's my favorite thing to do on the weekends? Um, I love to hang out with my friends. I love to cook and work out and read. Yeah. And you play soccer when I the weather's soccer. not crazy. Yeah. Okay. I do a lot of different things. Awesome. That's so great. Yeah. So, Becca, you are our assistant director of public policy. Yeah. So you are here at the Capitol and virtually wherever you need to be, um, meeting with legislators, mm-hmm. talking with our stakeholders, and helping advance the agenda of life, family, religious freedom. Mm-hmm. Can you tell us a little bit about um, what MFC is working towards this session, this legislative session? For sure, yeah. So there's a lot of policy issues that we're getting involved in. Um, And unfortunately, for confidentiality purposes, I can't talk about specific bill numbers. Um, If you want to track them yourself, everything is available at house.mn and senate.mn. However, I can speak to uh, broadly to the policy issues that we're going to be getting involved in. So, of course, we're going to be getting involved in protecting life, um, defending against assisted suicide, protecting parental rights, um, also defending your rights to get the uh, counseling and therapy that you need, also protecting religious freedom, and then defending biblical interpretations of gender and sexuality. 
So when we dive into those issues, um, protecting life that involves both protecting the unborn, there's a lot of different policy areas that we can support to protect the unborn, but also there's the flip side of protecting mothers. Um, you know, a lot of women, they're faced with these really difficult circumstances that they were not expecting, and they need support as well. And there are wonderful ways that we can support mothers um, through policy. Um, as far as defending against assisted suicide goes, um, this is an interesting issue because we're all affected by it. We all have elderly family, um, and we all care about them and love them. And so um, this is really a bipartisan issue. Both Republicans and Democrats um, on both sides agree that we need to defend the dignity of the elderly and those who do not have as much ability. Um, as far as religious freedom goes, we want to protect the... Uh, the rights of faith institutions to stay open and also for each Minnesotan to express their faith both privately and publicly. It's very important. So Becca, can you tell us more about how we'll be fighting for parental rights? Yes. So parental rights are a huge issue right now. Um, parents want transparency into what their kids are being taught at school. Um, all different kinds of curriculum, including CRT issues or sexuality um, curriculum that parents are just unaware is happening at school. Um, other rights that we want to protect are your right to be able to access counseling and therapy that you need for your issues. The government should not be interfering in the uh, counselor-client relationship. That's just completely inappropriate, and we want to defend the rights of those clients. And then finally, um, defending biblical definitions of gender and sexuality. We see that when men, when males, I should say, are welcomed into female-only spaces, females and children suffer, um, whether that is sexual assault or just erasing women from the public record because women are retreating as their spaces are being, you know, infringed upon by males. And so there are so many policy areas. Um, that's just an overview of some of the, the issues that we especially focus on. Some of those issues, there's policy already being debated on by legislators. Some of them we expect policy to come out because it's kind of a perennial issue. So you can follow along again um, online, but yeah. That's awesome. So I guess with, with females we're coming into, excuse me, with males coming into female athletics, yeah. it's kind of like men, kind of like man spreading into female athletics. Exactly. <laughs> we, we cannot, we have to stand against man spreading. It's a problem. Yeah. Oh, I'm so sorry. <laughs> oh my gosh. Um, thank you so much, Becca, yeah. for putting up with that idiotic joke yes. and, and for your work. Uh, this is yeah. so, so crucial. Um, I'm so glad to have you on the team. So it's a huge blessing. It is a huge blessing. Yeah. You've done amazingly just in the few weeks that you've been here, mm -hmm. I really have to say. And then I guess my last question for you is, what is the biggest issue for you personally? Like the thing that you think about, like just more than anything else? Yeah. Yeah. This is tough because I care about so many issues. I think... In regard to our issues, the things that I care about the most are life and the very controversial issue of gender. Um, in regard to life, there's two sides to that, like I mentioned earlier. So, so recently, in the past six or so months, I've really been struck by the wisdom of Solomon's mother. We assume Solomon in uh, Proverbs 31, Proverbs 31:8, where she tells him, "Open your mouth for um, the speechless and the cause of all who are appointed to die." Um, and I've just been really struck by how that applies to our organization and even my work. Um, we can do so much to protect the voiceless mm. through policy, yeah. um, which is a wonderful thing. And we have so much work ahead of us. So I'm super excited about that. Um, so, But that's just one side of the life coin. The other side is also that we need to support these mothers who weren't expecting a baby. Um, they want to 
protect that life. They want to carry that life to term, um, but they're just unsure of where to go. Maybe they don't have you know, family support. They don't know how to take care of that child. And so we need to put policies in place that make it easier for her to keep that baby. Um, so that may be financially, that might be emotional support. It might also be basic education courses, like how do I feed this baby or how do I strap them into a car seat? Um, so yeah, there's there's ways. As a parent, I can them. say that the car seat thing is way more difficult than it's, I would have thought. Very complicated. That's all I'll say. Yes. Excuse me. I am an aunt. I do not have children of my own. <laughs> um, but it is complicated. So so that's my heart for the life issue. On the other hand, I also really care about the gender issue. And it's interesting to me how um, when we allow males to enter the public uh, spaces of females, that females and children suffer. Um, and we see that so much in different organizations and different schools that allow males to enter, you know, females' private spaces like bathrooms and um, lockers, and also the sports arena. Women are literally being erased from the record, um, and so they retreat from public spaces. And I'm just absolutely not going to stand for that. We fought so hard for women to have rights in Title IX, and I'm not going to let that go in the name of fake compassion. Um, yes, queen. <laughs> that's one thing. The other thing that is more, even more concerning, because females have a voice. I, I can speak for myself. Mm -hmm. um, children often don't know how to explain what they're being taught, and they don't know how to explain um, different ideologies that are being forced on them. We see that grade school children and even kindergartners are being forced to learn gender ideology that is being contested by adults. We shouldn't be forcing this on children who are learning truth, learning the, the physical world by understanding physical markers and they understand, I've understood myself to be a woman and um, we should not subject these children to teaching that causes them to question their gender, their sexuality, my, my family's gender. That is just child abuse. We cannot cause children to be confused when there has not been confusion. Um, of course, we need to support children if there is confusion, but we don't want to force the vast majority of children who do not struggle with that um, to undergo that teaching. So those are kind of the key issue areas. That's really what brought me to MFC and what I'm super excited to get involved in. Obviously, these issues are really sad. There's a lot of really tough stories, and everyone needs to be met with the, the compassion of Christ. Um, however, um, we also need to just take a stand for truth and, and support everyone along the way. So... Wow, that is awesome. I am so, I, I just, I'm so glad you're here, Becca, today, here today, but also just working with us and um, legislators who, um, who take a meeting with Becca are not going to know what hit them. <laughs> In a good way, yes. in a really good way. So, She's Becca Delahunt, the Assistant Director of Public Policy at Minnesota Family Council, thank you so much thank for joining so much. us. Thank you, Becca. Thank you. So, it has been, um, you know, this is how things change here at the Capitol. It's a public building. I said it was so quiet and empty, and now folks are filling in behind me. I, I wonder if it's no a homeschool idea. group. Honestly, I would be so happy if it was a homeschool yeah, group. It I might feel be like a homeschool group. Be, yeah. We are not quite sure what they're doing, but there's a yeah. lot of kids, and we just love to see that. At least yeah. maybe a school group of some kind. And um, so what I wanted to do in the, 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 the last third of this episode is to talk about what we can expect this session from our legislative leaders. Now, as you may remember, uh, we are, I think, still the only state in the country where the legislature has a split 
uh, in control. The Minnesota Senate is currently controlled by Republicans. The Minnesota House is currently controlled by Democrats. Minnesota Family Council is nonpartisan. We work with everyone who will work with us on the issues that we care about. And then, of course, also the governor is, uh, is also a Democrat, Governor Tim Walz. So Grace and I are going to talk a little bit about what both Democrats uh, are expecting to, to do uh, and accomplish this session, and also what Republicans are expecting to accomplish this session. Grace, if it works for you, I thought we'd start with the, the, with yeah, the Republicans. let's definitely do it. So, I mean, right now, first of all, there's this huge debate going on, right, Moses? So the debate is, how are we going to use, uh, what, what's this technical term? The, uh, the government surplus, $7.8 billion. $7.8 billion, excuse me. So that is a lot of money, right? So much money. And that can be put to good use. It can also be used poorly. And so that's what both sides of the aisle are, are debating right now. Uh, this is, uh, I'm reading right now from the GOP's uh, website. They just released their main objectives for this session. And I think it's really important. This episode is going to be informative. We're just going to explain what the GOP is pushing for, what the Democrats are pushing for, and just inform you. We're not going to take sides. We're just going to explain. So uh, first and foremost, one of the main goals of the GOP uh, this session here in Minnesota is helping people afford their lives. Now, what they specifically uh, mean by this is they're going to specifically target uh, income tax relief to low and middle income families to make sure that we're supporting them, um, make sure they want tax credits for parents, and they don't want campaign gimmicks. They just want permanent savings for Minnesotans. These are their talking points that I'm reading from. They also, uh, their second major priority this session will be safe communities and law enforcement support. And I, uh, th- obviously with the recent trend of defunding the police, there's been a lot of pushback from the Republicans. They want to increase recruitment through grants and pathways to policing. They want to increase funding for, for our officers. They want to imp- increased support for that. They also, their third main goal this session will be to empower parents as education partners. And again, we've, that's something we've seen a lot over the past few months, even the past year, is CRT infiltrating our schools. And so that's something that has come up recently is where do parents, uh, when should parents be able to speak up? Should they always be able to speak up? How much power and say do they have over their children's education? Of course, Moses and I always have. Always all the power. <laughs> yes, we have very specific opinions on this. Again, giving you the facts of what the GOP is fighting for. So uh, they, they are going to fight to expand funding and access to programs so that every child can read. They're going to affirm parents' roles in education and promote a parent's bill of rights. Finally, they're going to reduce screen time and address mental health needs by keeping kids inside the classroom, not on a screen in their homes. So those are that's just a broad overview of what the Republican Party is going to be fighting for in this session. Moses, what are the Democrats going to be uh, looking at and fighting for this session? Yeah, so it's actually interesting, uh, given that last fall we did just see uh, uh, folks in the city of Minnesota Minneapolis tried to defund the police department. Um, uh, leaders here uh, at the Capitol are, are singing a different tune on both sides of the aisle. Mm-hmm. Uh, Governor Tim Walls and uh, Speaker of the House Melissa Hortman have both said that they also want to increase the amount of money that is spent on recruiting police officers. That's actually really interesting. Which is hmm. great. Okay. Uh, because if, we, if that's true, then we're seeing bipartisan agreement on something that pretty much almost everyone agrees on, except for this hardened core of, uh, of activists who want to defund the police. Yeah. yeah some some progress activists want that, but most people would really like for there to be more cops on the beat uh, here in the cities, um, in St. Paul, in Minneapolis, but also just around our communities around the state. So other things that the Democrats are looking to do, um, 
I, I watched a video with uh, the, the majority leader in the House, Ryan Winkler, and he was talking about um, uh, some of their agenda, and, and, and they, 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 they talk in this kind of the same language about like helping people yeah. afford their lives, but it's, it's in a, they just different take a different, yeah. they, they do have different goals, so they, they really want to focus on subsidized child care mm-hmm. and uh, subsidized health care. And so uh, the, the, the interviewer really prodded him and was like, well, what about, uh, what about using that, uh, that, that huge pot of money, $7.8 billion, mm-hmm. for a uh, permanent tax cut? And he, uh, uh, Majority Leader Winkler, said, well, tax cuts won't give you health care. <laughs> so that was kind of an interesting, interesting, interesting statement. Interesting. And, um, and, and he also said that tax cuts usually benefit only rich people and businesses. And um, I, I just couldn't, I can't help to but point out that uh, those uh, rich people and businesses are generally the job creators. And so when you do... Uh, uh, free uh, free them up financially as the state is able to do. Then they're able to hire more people, pay them more money, and then they do. They are able to pay for childcare and healthcare. So it kind of what goes around comes around there. Another uh, Democrat priority is to legalize marijuana. Uh, mm-hmm. They they want to. Um, it, it's currently uh, currently in Minnesota. It's uh, medical only. Uh, you need a a note from a doctor to get cannabis and they want uh, recreational cannabis to be legalized. Uh, that's going to face a really uphill battle. Um, that's an issue that I, I don't think Republicans are interested in visiting. I, I was at a, a marijuana hearing, I think 2020, uh, I think it was then it was, and there just doesn't seem to be much of an appetite um, <laughs> on the right side of the aisle. They don't have the munchies uh, for legalizing marijuana. I'll Some say. of the jokes Moses makes, you guys. There's a bunch of kids, as we said, congregated back here. And <laughs> yeah, I just love seeing all these kids there. Um, so, so, and the biggest, the biggest single thing in terms of uh, in terms of what the Democrats want to do, just in terms of how much it would cost the state, is something that uh, Tim Walls is calling Walls checks. Mm-hmm. <laughs> That's um, really interesting. Honestly. Is it is it an election year? Oh yes, that's right. It's an election year, and so uh, Governor Wallace wants to send something along the lines of two hundred fifty dollars uh, per family unit. Uh, I don't remember precisely how much money it was. Uh, you can check check me on that. But that's a really interesting move. Um, that's you know I saw in a terms tweet about of that. You, yeah. you saw a tweet about that. Yeah, and I think yeah when the average Gen Zer sees that tweet, they're like, oh yeah, Walls wants to give us more money. And so I think, like you say, I I feel that it is an an election ploy trying to raise himself in the graces of the Minnesotan people. Uh, my opinion, of course, that's not. Yeah, well, it's interesting because I, I like I I think that's pretty much clearly what it is. You know when Donald. Trump, uh, President Trump had uh, stimulus checks sent out at the beginning mm-hmm. of the COVID pandemic. He made sure that w- with that in the mail, I got a statement saying Donald J. Trump, right? It had his signature right. on it, and I was supposed to be grateful to President Trump for that stimulus check. And you know what? I was. I'm not going to say no to money, to free money. <laughs> <laughs> I understand that the long term. An inspirational well, <laughs> quote. <laughs> yeah, well, I think I'm not alone there. Um, so uh, obviously, you know, most people are going to take money when it's given to them. The question is, is it good for the long-term stability of our state's finances. And also... Um, Can we uh, use it? 
in other places? Should we use should, it in other can places? Can we and should we use it in other places? Like, for example, in a permanent tax cut. That's that's one one other. And the other inflation, thing I think... let me tell you. Inflation. Inflation. Don't even let yeah. us... Get, don't get us started on that. I Gas? Think, I think... Um, 7% was the number of inflation yeah. for all of 2021, for, which is at more than double what it had been previously. And in some items like housing. And just for regular things like butter, yeah. you know, that you buy for to make cookies or to spread on toast. So yeah. that has been interesting. As yeah. you're saying, though, one other priority from the Democrats? Um, well, what I was going to say, one more thing on the Walls checks oh, is yeah. the, that whole name, the Walls checks, like that was his staffers who came up with that. <laughs> and, and then they're like, well, Governor Jesse Ventura, when he did a similar thing, they it, they called it Jesse checks or something along those lines. And then people pointed out, well, no, Governor Ventura didn't call them that. That's just what the media and individual people call them that. So, like, Governor Walls is essentially just, like, adding that name on there. And he, he wants to take credit for that, which, you know, he's the governor. If he wants to take credit for giving free money to Minnesotans in election year, well, we'll just let that speak let's for itself. Let, let's just not let that blind us from the fact that he is very staunchly pro-abortion. That's something that uh, Moses and I will talk about in future episodes. All of the Republican candidates, the main leading Republican candidates for governor are very pro-life, and Walls is very pro-choice. And so even if you agree with, oh, I would like another stimulus check, there should be one major thing on your mind. Don't let the little things he's doing or the side, thing he's, the side things he's doing dissuade you or distract you from one of the most major issues of our day. Um, in my opinion, the biggest issue of our day. I, I have to say, I agree. Uh, Governor Walls, when he was in Congress, uh, he once said, I'm so pro-abortion that Nancy Pelosi told me to, turn it, uh, to, to, to tune it down. That is what he said when he was in Congress, and I think he, and he's he's shown himself to Hold to be that. a governor for the abortion lobby while he's in office, and it's really sad to say that, um, but it's true. I wanted to I, I pulled out my little piece of paper here uh, because I wanted to make sure I covered all of the Democrats' priorities. Yep, and use their wording specifically. Which yeah, is what I did. Yeah, so uh, Lieutenant Governor Pe Peggy Flanagan uh, had this to say. Whether it's expanding access to safe and affordable housing, building safer roads and bridges, upgrading higher education facilities, or investing in organizations serving black, native, and communities of color, we have an opportunity to make transformative change in communities across the state. And when she says opportunity, what she means is we have that $7.8 billion that we can spend in, in, the, in these ways. So, um, so that's what the Democrats are looking for as we come into this legislative session. We're almost one week done now, and I want to give you a sense of what is going to happen for the rest of the session. So uh, members are introducing bills in the House and the Senate. Um, a bill obviously needs to pass through the, both the House and the Senate and then be signed by the governor to become law. But even before it passes out of the House or the Senate, it has to go through a committee, mm -hmm. generally multiple committees. So, um, so the committees are meeting now. Generally, that's what's happening as opposed to sessions on the floor. I think they, they have those as well. Um, so by March 25th, that's the deadline where committees have to act favorably on the bill. And then April 1st, um, com committees in the other house have to act on those bills. And then uh, on April 8th, uh, committees have to act favorably on major appropriation and finance bills. And then the session will go through um, the mid to late May of this year. So, uh, so that's the timeline. It's relatively short. It's an absolutely crazy time here at the Capitol for us as an organization. Um, and it's go time. It is. It, yeah. It, we're right in the thick of it, honestly. And so yeah. Moses and I, 
aim to keep you updated on, on the most important things that we're facing here in the legislature. We'll keep you updated as we can um, with what Becca is doing behind the scenes. Of course, a lot of it is going to be confidential, but as things come up and that we can share, or if there are action alerts that we can send out or specific petitions that you can sign, we will keep you posted either on our email list, on the podcast, or both. We will be here on the ground at the Capitol again for sure. Um, hopefully, we will make improvements to the audio quality, uh, just, just making sure. I'm sure, it's a bit of a dull roar right now, yeah, I and I apologize. Yeah, we do apologize for that. <laughs> um, but if you've made it this far in the episode, we really appreciate you tuning into this special I want episode. To say one more thing. Yes. Mm-hmm. Um, I want to ask you, Grace, yep. were you able to get to the caucuses on Tuesday? I was not. I had, what did I have on Tuesday night? I think I had a meeting with my church. So, okay. yep, okay. did you go? I did caucus yeah. for I the first time. Yeah, I, so I wanted to just briefly talk about that because it was wonderful. For me, essentially, it involved sitting at a table with some people from my neighborhood because the precinct is very small. Yep. Sitting around a table with a couple of people, and they brought their kids. It was just fun, Aww. and it was just multi-generational. We had people from, like, age 13 to age 70 at the table. Obviously, the 13-year-olds can't vote um, uh, uh, in, in the caucus. And so the, the things that the caucus did, essentially, was we took a, a straw poll on the race for governor. That was the biggest thing that we did uh, on Tuesday night. About how many people were there? Um, uh, In my caucus, there were, oh, uh, 60 or so. Okay, so the straw poll was over 60 people? Well, no, no. No. The straw poll was across 4,000 different caucuses across the entire state. And, And every one of them ran a straw poll. And uh, the results were interesting. So we have, at that time, we had six candidates for governor. Now we have seven uh, mm-hmm. Republican candidates for governor, also Governor Tim Walls. And then, um, and so I want to give you the straw poll results if you haven't seen them. Former Senator Dr. Scott Jensen won the straw poll with 38% wow, of the vote. really? That's interesting. Yep. Okay. So he's, he's really doing strong, remember he didn't win doing our well. Straw poll. He did not he win the straw poll when we did our debate, so that's an interesting... That is interesting um, to compare. It, it shows that he has appeals statewide, and, yeah. and people are calling him the frontrunner right now. Wow, okay. That doesn't mean that he will win. Um, Governor uh, Senator Paul Gazelka was second, mm-hmm. um, and then... Uh, uh, with, but w- he was down there with 14%. And then there are other candidates that were even lower. And that then even me. there's another candidate, Hennepin County former sheriff Rich Stanick, and okay. I'm not sure I'm pronouncing that name right, but he just announced for governor on Tuesday. Wow. And it's just it's absolutely crazy uh, that people are getting into the race this late. It shows that the, that it's a co- uh, competitive. Change is coming. People want to see change. People do want to see change. In fact, the last number that I have for you uh, as we close out this episode is uh, there was a KSTP poll, and it showed the, um, uh, in terms of the polling numbers between incumbent Governor Walls and uh, his uh, current Republican opponents, and it actually showed him just one point ahead. It, it actually showed oh. Governor Walls just one point ahead of wow. uh, Dr. Scott Jensen in, a, in the general election, and only five points ahead of Senator Paul Gazelka in a hypothetical matchup for the Let general election. Let me tell you, I would love to see a pro-life governor. We yeah. would love to see it. So we will keep you posted just on how things continue to progress and uh, what happens, just who continues to be the front runner, because that's, that's going to be really important. Just this is, it, it's a crazy year. And I yep. just want to say last thing, that um, last gu- gubernatorial election was in 2018. Uh, and, uh, and, and that was just, at that moment, uh, the Democratic candidate was so much further ahead at mm-hmm. the same stage in the race, right, yep. uh, than what we're seeing right now. So... It, like, it's an exciting year. We could see um, a Republican elected for the first time to a statewide office since 2006. And you know what we're going to do if that happens? We're going to overturn Roe v. Wade, not only on the national level, but here in Minnesota. And what we That's need right. is a pro-life governor for that. 
Yes, we need a pro-life governor. We need pro-life control of both houses of our legislature, the Senate and the House, because <laughs> I'm standing right here. And that's why we have Becca here, uh, as well as our pastors that are working mm -hmm. in there. They don't do policy, but they are praying with our legislators every building day and every bridges. week, building relationships, building bridges. And, um, and so... This has been a really special episode of yep. the Family Beacon. Yes. I mean, for starters, we're here at the Capitol, which is awesome. Second of all, we got to talk to Pastor Joshua Foster and uh, the amazing Becca Della Hunt. Mm -hmm. and, and now we're coming in for a landing. Thank you guys so much for watching. Remember, this is the Family Beacon podcast where you can get the facts so that you can stand for truth. I'm Moses with Grace Evans. So grateful that you are watching and listening today. Thank you so much. listening to or watching this episode of the Family Beacon podcast from Minnesota Family Council. Subscribe wherever you listen to podcasts so you're up to date on life, family, and religious freedom. You can follow us on Instagram at MN Family Council and subscribe to us on YouTube to watch our content. Get the facts, stand for truth.